listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today we're going to begin a new series called What Lies Beneath. What lies, or lurks beneath rather. I wrote the series, I don't know. What lurks beneath. <laughs> let, me, let me say this to you. Today is just going to be an intro into this series. It's going to look different. It's going to feel a little bit different than, than how we usually like to end things. Um, it's going to be more diagnostic than, than prognostic, okay, if that makes sense to you. It's, it's, it, we're going to diagnose what's happening, what lurks beneath. We're going to look at that. Um, for some of you, you're going to feel like we're not going to have any real resolve, and that's okay because we've, we've got this month, and, and we're going to reveal the problem today. And then starting next week, we're going to start dealing with these issues, okay? So just bear with me. Let's work through this series together. Can everybody do that? Say amen. amen. Okay, I don't care if you can't. That's what we're going to do, okay? I grew up on the Swanee River. Anybody else? I grew up on the Swanee River. Occasionally, we would go to the Santa Fe, but I grew up on the Swanee River. And, and I know there's some fishermen here in the church. I, I, I like to fish, I, but the real reason why I went to the river was because I wanted to kneeboard. That's what I wanted to do. Forget the fishing. I wanted to kneeboard. I don't know if any of you have, have ever done this before, but um, I, remember this. Now, back years ago, high school, teenage years, Rocky weighed a lot less than what he does now, okay? Now, I graduated at six foot two. However, I was, I was about 165, 170 pounds, okay? I'm not telling you how much I weigh now, but it's, it's a little bit more than that. I have a leg that weighs 170 pounds now, so <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, um, so I, I, I grew up going to the river, loved to hydroslide um, and, and kneeboard, um, and if you've never done this before, it's, it's a shorter board, and it's got grooves for your knees, and you just kind of hang out with your belly on the board, with your, with your arms there holding onto the ski rope, and the boat would accelerate, and as the boat would take off, there's an art to it, and, and you, have to, you have to learn this. It's part of the process that you have to pull yourself up onto the kneeboard. Has anybody ever done this before? Oh, good, good. Um, you're more, more active than first service, which is great. No, um, no, you pull yourself kind of in one motion. You pull yourself as the boat's accelerating, and you pull yourself up onto the board. And often the, the Velcro strap would get underneath your legs. And so you'd have to hold on with one leg and maneuver your, your, you know, your legs through there. And then you'd strap yourself in. And once you're strapped in, now you can go try some stuff. Now you can, you, you can like be dumb and, and do dumb stuff. And, you know, you, you come across the wake. You jump, jump the wake. And, you know, I, I got pretty decent at, at doing this, according to my standards. Now, you might be better than me, but according to my standards, I got pretty good at it. I, I could go out on the side of the boat, and I could flip over and do a barrel roll. I could go on my back and come right back over onto the board. It took me a while to learn how to do that, and it's tough because when you're learning to do that and, and you bring the board back over to, to the right side up, it has a tendency for the, the nose to hit the water. And when the nose catches the water, it just slams you right in. I mean, and it feels like concrete. It just hurts so bad. But I eventually mastered that and could do it. I remember this one particular Saturday. We, we went kneeboarding at the Swanee River, and the river was high. I don't know what was going on. I don't remember if there were rains north of us or something. But, but the river was, was high. And a lot of times they tell you to stay out of the river when it's high. Well, for us, we, we just put two spotters on the front of the boat. And their job was point out 
branches, logs, things that are floating in the river that normally we wouldn't have to watch out for, point them out to the person skiing or the person that is on the kneeboard. And with the river high, what happens is as the river gets higher, there's debris along the banks of the river that now they begin to float in the water and they work their way into the current, and so they get out into the middle of the water. Well, this one day, I was way out on the side of the boat, way off to the left of the boat, and, and I'm way out there, and they start going nuts. The spotters on the boat, they, they, they start pointing like right underneath the boat. And I thought, well, there must be a big log that the boat just went over. So me, being as good as I am on this thing, I take off as hard as I can right towards the middle. I come across the wake, and sure enough, the log comes out from underneath the boat. And when it does, I hit it. I just like tap the log right with the bottom of my, my kneeboard, and, and I keep going, and they're all freaking out. And I thought, man, I have impressed them. They are so impressed with me right now. I go for another two or three minutes down the river, and I finally fall off, and they circle back around. They come back to get me, and they're freaking out. They said, do you know what you hit? I said, yeah, a log. It was, it was right there. I saw it. And they said, no, it was an alligator. And I was like, do what? They said an alligator. And I said, I am awesome. I am. Well, then I got in the boat and I started thinking about it. And I was like, how dumb was that? I mean, what appeared to be something else on the surface was actually a wild beast of an animal under the surface. It was lurking beneath the surface. And I could not tell from the surface of the water what I hit. Can you imagine if I would have fell off in that moment? Like if I would have hit that gator. I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, ah, oh, they're not that bad. When's the last time you went out into the wild and walked up and just started petting a gator on the head? So you can take that, oh, they're not aggressive or whatever. Whatever, whatever. Can you imagine I would have ticked him off when I hit him with that kneeboard and, and, and now it's just me and him. If I would have fallen off of that, it's just me and him, mano y mano, one-on-one. It's just me and the gator going at it. Do you know who's going to win that fight? Not me. Not me, right? Dumb. What was under the surface could have killed me. This series is about the heart. It's about what's under the surface. The heart lurks beneath the surface, but I'm not talking about your physical blood-pumping organ. It's not it. I'm talking about that part of you that was heartbroken when Lori broke up with you in eighth grade. Okay, that was just me. But <laughs> Or when, when John decided to take somebody else to the prom, and it broke your heart. Your physical heart was still pumping, but it felt like it was breaking. I'm talking about that part of the human intellect that that songwriters target. Poets, they appeal to it, and, and preachers like me, they try to motivate it. It's the heart. It's the passionate side of, of you that gets angry at the referees. It comes from within, right? It comes from the heart. Or that passionate side of you that will go to extremes to win the girl of your dreams. It's the part of you that faces humiliation when 
life hands you a raw deal. It's the part of you that gets embarrassed. It's what makes you go on the defensive when there is an injustice against you in your life. And so now you feel like you've got to fight for survival. They tell me that nearly 700,000 people die every year from heart disease. That's one in every five. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Sorry, Colby. Had to be somebody on that row, right? One, two, three, four. I'm not going there. Let's just keep going. And, and what happens with these people, many of them, they experience heart attacks. And unfortunately, they did not know that something was wrong with their heart as it went undiscovered. And, and like the physical heart, sometimes you don't know that there is an issue with your emotional heart until it's too late, and, until it just happens. And that's when all of a sudden you figure out, oh, something's not right here as you respond to life. The most popular speech that Jesus ever gave is no doubt the Sermon on the Mount, and, and it's primarily found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. We're not going to read from there today because some people believe that you get another perspective of that same sermon in Luke chapter 6. And so today we're going to go to Luke chapter 6. And, and some scholars refer to Luke chapter 6 as the Sermon on the Plain because it, it clearly says that the, the, the ground was flat. So it wasn't the Sermon on the Mount, it was the Sermon on the Plain. I don't know if it was the same instance or not. There's nothing that really defines that for us. Um, it's a similar message. We, we certainly know that some of the verbiage being used, is, it's certainly the same. And it, but church, let me tell you this. It does not matter whether it was the same day or the same location or not. It was certainly the same message as some of the quotes are nearly identical. And so I want us to go to Luke chapter 6. We're going to read verses 43 through 45 this morning. Luke 6, 43 through 45 Jesus is speaking, and so I want you to hear these words that Christ says. He says, For no good trees bear bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So what I want to focus on today is, is what Christ said. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When Jesus spoke about the abundance of the heart, he used the Greek word kardia for the word heart. Kardia. This word is used over 800 times in Scripture and never once when it's used is it referring to the physical heart that pumps the blood through the human body. Not, not one time, not one instance when this Greek word is used is it referring to the actual organ of the heart. The proper translation for the way that it is being used, the, the Greek word cardia is the, the effective center of our being. Let me explain it like this, church. It's, it's the seat for all of our passions and all of our desires. It, it, it's where our emotions often originate. It, it, it's our innermost thoughts and it's, it's where they reside. It's where they camp out. It's, it's where they live. 
And it's the most used navigational tool that we use to travel the emotions of life. We, it, it, we're, we're told, go with your gut, go with your heart, and, and, and let your, your heart lead you. And so we use this, this inner process, if you will, as a navigational tool to, to, to figure out life. Now, as it relates to your physical heart, it is important to go through the proper procedures and testing in order for us to avoid a heart attack. So we have things like blood tests and EKG, and there's the exercise stress test, and then there's a chemical stress test. There's a heart cath, and and they even have event monitors that you just wear them on you for a period of time, and if anything abnormal happens with your heart, it will record that that abnormal activity so that the doctor can can look at it and, and can figure out what's going on with your heart. As it relates to your emotions, to your inner thoughts, your passions, your desires, we must go through the proper testing in order to avoid a heart attack. You see, you can have a heart attack emotionally. Some people don't realize this, but you certainly can. But this heart attack, it doesn't just kill you, and it doesn't just kill your character, and it doesn't just kill your ability to influence others, but this heart attack, it claims other victims. It claims innocent people. Just think about this. Some of you can relate. Your child's coach becomes a victim. You didn't play my son. You didn't play my daughter. And you go off on them. And in that emotional moment, your heart, your innermost being is attacking them. And you're going after them. And and so they become the victim in that moment. The referees, the referees. Let me tell you, high school referees do not get paid enough. I know. I used to be the guy, the, the assistant coach that used to make sure that they got paid. I wanted to know how much they got paid. It's not enough. It's not near enough. I would never be a high school referee simply because of you. Okay? What about that waitress at the restaurant? That, bless her heart, she just caught you on a bad day. But you let her have it. I mean, you laid into her, and and she didn't ask for your table. You just happened to be seated in her section, and and you have let her have it. You know, the victims can can be your subordinates at work. It can be your coworkers, innocent people, but, but yet you attack them. Your heart attacks them. It can be your customers. It can be your clients. It can be your children. I know, I've done it. There's been moments in my life I've had to go apologize to my children because they were victims of my heart attack on them. And it can certainly happen with your spouse. Most people think of themselves as basically good people. I think most of us in the room, we're here today, right? We came to church. We woke up and came to church on a Sunday morning. I think most of us think we're pretty good people and very few of us would call ourselves bad and and even fewer of us would consider ourselves evil. And part of the problem is that it is difficult for us to think of ourselves objectively. But but Jesus provides us in, in, in this text today an objective standard by which we can judge where our heart is at spiritually. And his diagnostic tool is our words. From the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. He says that 
that we can judge our spirituality, our relationship with him, if you will, by what comes out of our mouth. This is the test to see where, where we are at in Christ. Have we matured as believers? And he says it's, it's what's happening here. If Christ has really touched here, then, then, then this has to change. Because what comes out of our mouths is what reveals whether our heart is sick or not. Whether we're diseased. What comes out of our mouths has to be questioned at times. And, and I think we need to ask ourselves questions like this. How do I speak to people throughout the day? Like, how do I talk to people throughout the day? Even sometimes people I may not agree with. I, I may not agree with them socially. I may not agree with them spiritually. I may not agree with them politically. But how do I treat them? Do I treat them with respect? Do I, do I extend courtesy to them? It is, is, it, 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 just across the board with people I deal with all the time, is my speech, is it kind? Is it gentle? Is my speech pure? Is, is what that comes out of my mouth, is it free of gossip? Are you truthful with the words that come out of your mouth? Do they speak the truth? Sometimes we do a, a great job of controlling our tongues in, in public because it's an image thing. And so we do a great job publicly it's, it's when we get at home or when we are around those with whom we are closest, we reveal our, our true character. It's the reason why so many men have a hard time praying for, the, for, for their homes. Like they will never offer and extend prayers out loud. And it's because men, we, we, we know that they all know our shortcomings. And, and it messes with men. How do we speak to our children? How, how do we speak to our spouse? You know, for some of you, it's so bad that even, even the family dog is getting beat up over it. I mean, you may not physically kick that dog around, but man, you verbally, you are just destroying that dog because you're living, you're living with all this turmoil inside of you. And Christ said that, that what's happening here is going to eventually come out here. Every senseless word that, that it, it springs from our hearts. Every angry outburst springs from our hearts. Every hurtful stab that we use our words for, it comes from the heart. And Jesus said, what comes out of your, your mouth has overflowed. It's the abundance of your heart. It has overflowed out of your heart. Therefore, your heart has to be full of disease when that stuff happens. Because it just doesn't happen. It has to originate somewhere. And so what's really going on in here eventually comes out here. So when the disease is happening inside, it has no choice. It will surface at some point. Maybe that's why Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I, I like the way that the, the NIV says it. Listen to this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows 
from your innermost being. Everything that you do, every decision you make in life, everyone that you decide to date, everyone that you decide to marry, every, every business decision, everything. He, he didn't leave anything out. Everything you do flows from this. And so whatever's happening in here, it makes decisions there. It, it, it comes out. And, and he says, guard it, guard it. Guard what's going on inside of here. Take inventory of it often because whatever's happening in here is going to eventually come out there. And in this day and age that we live in, our inaudible words are no different. Now, I need you to understand, when, when Jesus said these words, whether it was a sermon on the mount or a sermon on the plain or somewhere in between, the only forms of communication that they really had was speaking and writing. And most of the people couldn't write. So they either said it to each other or they didn't communicate it. If Jesus was, was giving that same sermon today, it, it would probably say something like, out of the abundance of the heart, the fingers type. It, it, it comes down to our conversations online, on, on social media, our, our comments on other people's posts. Bless your heart, Tim. Commissioner Tim Marden, man, he, he put out a, a beautiful picture of the front of our sanctuary after the storm and just inviting people to church. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, those, those Newberry Citizens Forums, beware beware tread softly the ice is very thin it, it, it's it's what we post it's it's our comments on other posts it, it's it's what we say about news articles and how we share news articles it, it's our thoughts on public forums all of them they spring from our heart it just doesn't happen you just don't just type those things out it originates somewhere, and those words reveal who you really are. There's a lot of people, they have keyboard courage. It's more keyboard stupidity is what it is. Now, you know me. I reserve moron for the people I love. So if I call you a moron, I love you, but some of these people are idiots. We're just going to keep going. There's too many kids in the room, and mom and dad, you have to explain that later. Maybe. Maybe this is why Jesus made the shocking statement that he did in Matthew chapter 12. It's very similar to Luke chapter 6. Very similar. Listen to what he says in, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37. He said, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Don't miss this. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Listen to what he says here. He adds this in, and I tell you this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Man, I just need to open up the altars, and you guys just come now. Like, we all need to repent, right? If we're going to be judged for every idle word we speak, we've got some repenting to do. Every idle word that we've said to the dog, to our spouse, to our children, to the commissioners. Every idle word we've said to 
teachers, law enforcement, every idle word, every idle word, everything that we've said, he says, you're going to have to give an account on judgment day for that. And then listen to what he says in verse 37. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Hmm. Every word that comes out of our mouths will be judged, and those words will either set you free or they will condemn you. I didn't say this. I, I'm not making this up. Jesus is the one that told us this. Why? It's because the term heart is, is used in Scripture. It's the most comprehensive term for, for who a person is. And we've adapted that to who we, are now, who we are right now. Because if we do something with our whole heart, that means we're putting our whole self into it. And, and so it, it, it just completely embodies who we are. It is the part of our being where we desire, where we deliberate, and where we decide. Decisions are made because of what's happening inside of me. It's this comprehensive term for a person as a whole. It's, it's, it's our feelings, it's our desires, it's our passions, it's our thought, it's our understanding, it's even our will. It's the center of a person. And Jesus says, that's what you've got to fix. And I warned you, church, I told you that today was just about diagnosing the source of the sickness. I, I, I know it's not fair. I know some of you, you're, you're like, well, man, you're talking to me right now. I need to know how to fix this thing. And I'm telling you, over the next few weeks, we're gonna, going to be examining the inventory of our hearts. We're going to talk about jealousy. We're going to talk about distrust. We're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk, talk about fear. It's all of those things that lurk beneath the surface that, that, that will come back to haunt us. And if we don't get those things figured out right now, we will never be the men and women of God that he's called us to be. Some of us, we are living, we're, we're shortchanging what we should be and who we should be in Christ because we haven't got this under control. And I can tell you this, I, I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers at you. There's seasons of my life where I've got this better than I do other seasons. When I was only about six years old, my family lived in Panama City, Florida not the country. 1910 Chestnut Avenue is where we lived. Mandy and I went there on our 20th wedding anniversary and um, went by the, the old neighborhood there. And I remember the house that we lived in at 1910 Chestnut Avenue. Right next to it uh, were twin girls, Tanya and Sonia. They were friends of mine. Um, down the street, my best friend, Alan, and right in between my house and Tanya and Sonia's house, there was a pathway. And if you followed that pathway, it went to a city park about a block behind our house. Back in those days, kids would come home from school. And we'd quickly finish our homework so that we could go outside and play. And we didn't sit inside all day. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. It's, it's like an easy target. I'm not going to do that, Okay. I picked on this generation a lot last week. I'm not going to do it again, okay? But we would, we would finish our homework so we could go outside and play, and we would play outside until dusk. And I would listen. I would listen for my mom. She would call me, Rocky. She's loud, too. I could hear her from two blocks away, and, and I'd come running home. Didn't wait, didn't hesitate, get washed up for dinner. And every day after school, this is what we look forward to. I remember this, this one particular day. I came home from school, finished my homework, and I went outside, and we were going to play football out in the street. 
Me and my friends are going to play football. We did often, and we get out there, and we're picking teams, and my brother, who is nine years older, the brother closest to me is nine years older. I was the oops of the family. So he, he comes out the front door. So he's 14, 15-ish, right in there. What does he want to play with six- and seven-year-olds for, right? He comes out the front door, and he decides that he's going to play, and he's going to be all-time quarterback. And I didn't want my brother out there. I remember. I mean, it's, it's one of my first memories of life, actually. I did not want my brother out there. I tried my best to tell him, just leave us alone, go back inside. But my friends wanted my brother out there. They wanted him to be the quarterback. And I hated it. I hated it because they seemed to like him better than they liked me. He was bigger, better, faster, stronger. Sounds like a Kanye song. He he ticked me off. And I left the game and I went walking inside the house and I told my mom a bunch of lies. Because I didn't want my brother out there. Told her, I said, listen, he's, he's out there, mom, and he's He's pushing us around. Nobody wants him out there. He's bullying us. He's playing too rough. And my mom steps out on the front porch and she, Rodney. Rodney comes up there. He comes inside and I still, I just, I, I just keep repeating the lies over and over and over. I, 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 I despised him being outside so bad. I think this is the first lie that I ever told, that I, that I can remember. I think it's the first lie. And my mom looked at us and she said, I'm going to send you to your rooms and your dad's going to deal with you when he gets home. And she sent us to her rooms. And I remember sitting in my room when dad got home. And dad came and he talked with me. And then he went to Rodney's room. Now, I think, looking back on it now, I think my mom figured me out. I do. And somehow they all worked against me and and played me in this. But I probably needed it. But I'll never forget the sound. When Dad took his belt off and he spanked my brother when I should have been the one getting the spanking. I lied. And I'll tell you this, it was the first of many lies. It starts a pattern in your life. I remember sitting in my room listening to my brother take that spanking, and it hit me. And I just began to cry. As a little kid, I just remember crying. I, I, it stands out to me to this day that I intentionally lied about my brother and he received punishment for for me now let me tell you what what was going on standing out in that street my brother came out there and I didn't want him there and my friends started liking him my friends wanted him to be the all-time quarterback there's jealousy that started raging up inside of me and when you don't deal with those inner emotions when you don't deal with that stuff from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and that's when I went inside and that's when the lies began and that's when the finger pointing and all it takes us right back to the garden of Eden I mean what happens 
when, when there's stuff happening inside Adam and Eve, you start blaming everybody else. I know some of you, you're here and you think, well, you, you got us to this point. What, what do we have to do? How, do? how do we fix this? Okay, you know, there's obviously something going on with me on the way to church today. I barked at my wife. How do you want me to fix this? And there's, there's some deep territory. It, it, it lurks deep. And there's some stuff that we've got to uncover. And we will. But let me tell you what this looks like. It, it's, it's symptoms. What's coming out. It's telling us some of the symptoms of the heart disease that, that we have. Today, all we can do is start dealing with the symptoms. But it's a start. It's a start. It doesn't fix the issue. It doesn't fix the disease. But we can start here. And my prayer, and it has been for us, not just you, for me too. My prayer has been, Holy Spirit, convict us. After we hear this, after we are taught from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus has given us this diagnostic tool for, for, to recognize that something's going on. My prayer is that first, throughout this week, we will start dealing with the symptoms. Like, I, I can't hear this and, and just start mouthing off to anyone and everyone and not treating people with respect, not, not, not treating the people in my family, not treating the people I love. Just, just I, I've got to be able to control this. But understand, this, this is the Band-Aid. What I'm asking you to do this week is just the Band-Aid. Just treating the symptoms is all we're doing. We've got to start digging deep, church. We've got to get into the heart issues, what's happening deep inside of me, because there's a reason why I feel resentment. There's a reason why I feel abandoned. There's a reason why I feel neglected. There's a reason why I'm angry. There's a reason why I'm bitter. There's a reason why. And we've got to be willing to take these hard steps. The great physician is ready to do some surgery on our hearts. But we've got to be willing to lay it out there and say, fix me, God. Fix me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word today. You have truly led us in paths of righteousness. Lord, we see it. We recognize it. We understand that there are heart issues. God, I pray that you will give us the strength that we need to extend grace, to extend mercy. Let our speech, Lord, let it reflect the work that you've done in our lives. And throughout this next week, God, I just pray that you will just help us, help us to treat each other with respect, with dignity, with kindness, with gentleness, Lord. Help us with it. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please, no one looking around. I want you to be very reverent of this moment. I told you the feeling that I had as my brother received the punishment that I should have received. It's the same feeling that I have when I recognize 
that my Jesus, my Savior, went to a cross and was crucified and died for my punishment. It was the sentence that I should have received, but he did that for me. It's humbling. But he didn't stay dead. He was raised back to life. Victor over death. And now he extends forgiveness to us. All we have to do is call upon his name. You can't do anything else in life to earn salvation, to be saved from hell, to be saved from our sins, to be back in communion with the Heavenly Father, and to know that we have eternal life. There is nothing more that you can do except receive it. That's it. He freely gives it to us. And I know that there's some in this room, some watching online, maybe that you just need forgiveness today. You need Jesus to be your Savior. You need to ask Him to be the Lord of your life. I promise you that I will not embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not asking you to come forward. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. What I am asking you to do is to raise your hand and just say, Pastor, please pray for me. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I want eternal life. If that's you, don't think about it. Just raise your hand right now. Yes, thank you. Someone else, leave it up. Leave it up. Someone else would say, Pastor, please pray for me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Come on, someone else. Yes, thank you. Leave it up. Leave it up. Someone else. Come on, don't wait. Don't wait. Today is the day of your salvation. The Holy Spirit is drawing you right now. And unless he draws you, you can't come back to the Father. Answer that call right now. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Church, I want you to look at me. There's two people in this room that said, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. Can we praise God for that? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And I know... I know there are others watching online, and maybe there's some at the Florida Women's Reception Center also. And here's what we're going to do. For everyone that raised your hand, everyone that said, I need Jesus, I need that forgiveness today, we're going to give you the courage that you need. I told you we're not going to ask you to stand or come forward right now. That's not what this is about. But we're going to say a prayer with you so that you can say this out loud. We're going to help you. We're going to give you the strength, give you the courage that you need to say this prayer out loud. And so I want you to take my prayer today, make it your prayer. Make my words your words as we say this together. Come on, everyone in the room, everyone online watching, I want you to say this prayer out loud. Look up to heaven with me and let's say, Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And that he rose again, giving me eternal life. And today, I make him the Lord of my life. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for eternal life, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.